My name is Wani, and I'm a I'm a compulsive overeater. You are my people. I need to be here. And normally on Saturday morning at exactly this time, I am at another meeting. It's in Seal Beach. That's a, a, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I am, I've been an Overeaters Anonymous for 32 years. And God willing, at the end of this month, I will be able to claim 33 years of abstinence from compulsive overeating. And that's days and nights. Okay? Not perfect, but days and nights. So... Um, when I came to you, when I first met you in 1986, in January of 1986, uh, my, I had an agenda, like this morning I got up and I had an agenda, and it required me to, to perform some certain uh, services to myself, uh, you know, grooming, get myself together, watch the clock, get, make the traffic, the rain, and all of that good stuff. But that's not how I met you. You see, I met you rather differently. Uh, out, of this, out of the Voices of Recovery, January 25, is one of my favorite reads, and I'll, I'll share a bit of it with you this morning. I was one of those people who prayed regularly for God to remove the fat and allow me to continue overeating. <laughs> I prayed for the day to be different, not understanding the concept that taking the first bite triggered the disease. I also ate secretly, making sure everyone was out of the house so I could eat. By the way, I met you at 340 pounds of graceful loveliness, um, wearing... Wow... It's kind of, it kind of almost pays me to think about it because I'm not that same person. Not physically, and I'm far from, I'm working on my goal weight. I'm always working on it. 75 years old, I'm still working on the thing, okay? I don't worry about that part. But I, I met you at a completely different place than I can meet you today. Um, I'm a sneak. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. Was that a thing? Uh, uh, a sneak, a liar, and a thief on a cheat. And that's how I met you. 340 pounds and those elements were the things I woke up with in the morning how can I get it can I eat it the brain never stopped and the primary agenda was how could I get it are you going to watch me oh my god I can't let you see me uh, I'm a cake baker 5 o'clock in the morning if I timed it just right I could make two of them one stayed home so the family could have something to take with their lunch the other one came with me that I would share with my office yeah you know <laughs> and I did I would I was generous I would share a slice I would share a slice and the rest belonged to me and I didn't have a problem with that and yet my thoughts would be I just wanted to find out how could I do what I want to do eat what I want to eat take what doesn't belong to me sneak about it lie about it cheat on an exam and oh by the way can I just you know weigh 137 pounds and look like I ate two acorns in a grape <laughs> that is how I lived all of my days and it's funny because this morning I woke up and I said my agenda is different today and it actually is I can't, I can't wrap up 33 years of mostly a boring kind of life and put it all into about a 15 to a 7 minute, 17 minute share but this morning when I woke up my first thought my first thought almost every single morning uh, upon awakening is I and I've said this often I receive and I accept the gift thank you thank you uh, I wake up in a happy place it's, it's all mine it's much smaller than where I live for, for 48 and a half years but it's all mine and I receive and I accept the gift and with that I have to hit the bathroom because I'm a little old lady and there it goes um, but I receive and I accept that gift and that thought starts my morning these days now I did not 
wake up early enough to make time to do my normal uh, uh, meditation and God routine. I'll make my way back home where I'll get my personal cup of coffee, thank you, and then I will also have my routine. It's my day. I can plan it how I, how I choose. But it's different today. Today there is no sneak, lie, cheat, hide, shame. I think I gave up shame and guilt for Lent. Some Lent, some Lent in season, I decided instead of I watch people, we're going to give up sugar, we're going to give up white flour. I gave up shame and guilt and cheating and lying and so forth. And those things happened and I didn't even think about them because what does that have to do with compulsively overeating? How did that turn me from a normal, oh I've got some pictures and I'll ask you, I have a bunch of junk so kind of pass them quickly if you can. Um, I could say nothing and everything. You know, the brain, my brain is a marvelous thing. It, it operates just like an empty coffee can and a marble. And compulsive thinking or obsessive thinking for me, I get that thought and all other thoughts are done. And that thought generally was driven by sugar. I'm a sugar junkie and I've not eaten sugar since February 28, 1986. And that was a scary thing because, I, you know, I, lifetime, that, kind of, that might be a long time. What am I going to do about this? I'm a real simple kind of person and I break everything down simply and Thursday night I was at my meeting and, and a young woman came up and she said, oh my goodness, here comes the pedestal, oh my goodness, but he blah 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 plus years and I said, no, no darling, I had Thursday and I did Thursday and at the end of Thursday I got stained and I wrote my little, my little end of the day um, add on to my journal and life was good and this is Saturday and I get Saturday. I don't worry about how many years. I really don't care until somebody, uh, uh, we do a countdown at a meeting or something. I really don't care. I woke up this morning in a state of grace. That means I did not eat Orange County and any other adjacent <laughs> where I live now. Um, all my neighbors, everything was safe. You know, and, and, and I'll finish the day. At the end of the day, I also receive another gift. Truly, it is a gift from a power greater than me. And that gift is, and I speak it out loud. I live alone, uh, but I speak it out loud. Thank you for closing the kitchen. The kitchen is closed. I did not come to Overeaters Anonymous and be taught how to eat. I have a food plant that has morphed, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. But I did not come here about um, necessarily looking for a diet. Well, the truth was... I was looking for the magic. There's a magic pill, a magic bullet. I can continue to do what I do, think what I think, behave like I behave. And oh, by the way, I will end up weighing 137 pounds and I'll never see you again. I did not come here to meet you, to greet you, to be friends with you, to spend any time with you. I've spent so much time in Overeaters Anonymous, I feel like I'm a clone. Part of me is always in a chair in a room somewhere and the other part goes on and lives my day. You know, but that is not how I came here. And the, 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 the greater... I'm going to almost want to speak the greatest gift to me was that I heard other people. I went to that crazy 100 pounders meeting which met at the federal building which was terrifying. Little armed camps. That's always going to be my word for it. It was a cafeteria. And people, it was loud and rowdy and raucous and embarrassing. And I was, and I couldn't leave the room because the people there were me. They spoke my language. People talked about this, the, 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 the deep secret thing that I never spoke about out loud. 
because to the people I was around, I could not let, how did I get to be 340 pounds if I never ate? Of course I ate. I ate all the time. <laughs> yeah, in the dark, in the movies. Part of my gift of abstinence is, and I, I got this very early on, was I do not eat in the dark. Don't eat in the dark. Not going to happen. Um, I almost killed myself pretending and eating in the dark. And so bit by bit by bit, I had to learn to actually live in the light. And I learned it from listening to you guys. I learned it um, at that big meeting. Two people, gentlemen and, and, and a lady, they shared about they didn't eat sugar and white flour. And it took every corpuscle I had in my body not to stand up and call them a liar. And the only reason I didn't stand up and call them a liar, not because I was afraid of embarrassing myself, uh, it was because I'd never seen anybody else do that in a meeting. Perhaps I shouldn't do this one. <laughs> First lesson, don't speak. <laughs> and I thought, no way, no way did those doofus, dorky looking people manage to pull that one off when I'm obviously more brilliant than they are. And if they, then why can't I then? And one night after a particular, it was a Thursday night, and it was a huge meeting, and a young woman that I adored, um, she, she, she lost some incredible 160 some odd pounds and was beautiful and I just looked at her and went oh my goodness she shared and I cried and I just let it happen and it stopped but tears were just my, my blouse was my mumu my famous mumu was wet and I went home that night and I went to bed and when I woke up that Friday morning because I start nothing on a Monday I went home that Friday morning I'm going to give this a go going to give it a shot they said they said that I only had to do it for one day and if I didn't like it I could take it back so it's Friday let's see let's, let's do this Friday morning February 28, 1986 I put on a nice fresh clean mumu because everything was a mumu in those days made out of various different so you didn't see a hibiscus you know as I walked out of the door to go, go to work and um and I made it. I made it all the way from my front door without collecting along the way. Got in my van pool and drove to Long Beach to start my, my day. And I get intersected in the, in the parking lot with a young woman with a grocery bag. And she comes up and she says, I've got to catch you before you go in the building. It was aerospace. We were not allowed to do some certain things. And she said, you know those Girl Scout cookies? They're yours. Here they are. And I just went, oh. And I will not repeat what I said because I'm being recorded and I've been asked to not to be careful and monitor myself. And, and, and I went, but I, I, but I just, I'm abstaining. You know, but I got this. Okay, I got this. I'm 340 pounds. I've got hair out to here. You know, ankles, moomoo, the whole bit, a vision of loveliness. And I take myself in the building and I'm like, I, I paid for these. I was going to take them to the movies tomorrow and devour them and maybe leave one box for the family because I am generous and um, <laughs> four boxes you know and I went in the building and I went but last night at that meeting I cried and I felt it and what am I going to do and I went and found guys I used to hang out in the art department when I had to hide from, from my boss who was always looking for me to do something I didn't want to do and I gave my cookies away and one of them said what's wrong with them <laughs> and I said nothing they're sealed they're st I didn't break the seal and I walked away I got this this is Friday morning Friday morning 
and I take my, I go to my desk and I get in my cubie and I sit down and I'm now introduced to the fact that right next door to my cubie there's a mountain of donuts because it was an early meeting and they didn't eat them and I'm just sitting there and this is what I will not repeat but anyway I got and I had a conversation and God lost the conversation that morning but he still gifted me and I did not eat the donuts and that was the beginning February 28, 1986 of the <coughs> The germ of a light that said, I maybe can finish today and not eat the sugar. Can't worry about tomorrow. Don't scare me and ask me about tomorrow. I'll just try and do Friday. And I did. And Saturday and Sunday. And I got a 30-day chip and a 90-day chip. And I'm going, this is ridiculously easy. Because we know how it is in the beginning. You know. And life takes over. And there's trials. And there's things happening at home that are hard to deal with. And, and what happens in the years pile on. I was 43 years old when I walked into Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm 75. And if I make it to April the 1st, yes, April Fool's Day. Yes, I live up to and down to it at every opportunity. Um, I will be 76. It's the best time. And it's just the best time. I no longer... Um, I no longer live with obsessive thoughts. And I can obsess not just about food. There can be a fun obsession. A book series. A movie I must, 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 must. The brain takes over. I have that brain. We share that brain. Whatever, however we choose to show it, we share that brain. I have that brain. And today, it, I, 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 I live a quieter, a much quieter brain. And this has been for a while. Um, my last job, I worked there for 17 and a half years, and they did not know me as a compulsive overeater. They did not know me as, you know, as being over 300 pounds. They did not know me like that. And I watched other people react to me and to how I ate. Well, I ate just a little bit different from the way they ate, but I made no big deal about it. I did not preach. I gave up that. I didn't have to explain everything to a waiter every time they came to my table. I didn't have to, you know, we get... We, we get beyond those early beginnings. And um, I had a, a funny incident one day with a beautiful young engineer. And I was in the kitchen making my salad and my tuna sandwich. And she wandered in and she looked over and she says, you know, that's a really big salad, Lonnie. Oh. And I looked at her and I said, yes, it is. And I just kept tossing my salad. Cutting, and I could see her kind of, she's waiting for the typical explanation. I don't explain. Not her business, not my business either. I didn't ask her about hers, and, and I didn't say anything snarky like, and thank you very much, you can get out of mind, because that's one of my favorite things. Um, and she left, and I, did, I stood there, and I went, yes. I gave up shame and guilt and unnecessary explanations. If I have to explain, something's wrong. If I'm explaining, I'm using too many words. I take that same attitude every day I sit in my sponsor my food, because I'm just, I know that she has to read it. Now the kick is, she does. But anyway, I, I send her my food, and sometimes, you know, if I'm, there's leftovers, there might be a little bit of oh, I put it all on the plate, and I'm, but, well, now I have to type it out. That's a lot of words. I don't want to use all those words. She's going to see a lot of words. Oh my God, she's going to think there's cake hidden in there somewhere. No, she's not. But you know, the exercise of allowing someone else into my plate of honesty, okay, um, so we came down to a little debate, her and I. About a year and a half ago, I, my food plan worked. I changed my food plan. And I did it. I, I had two reasons for doing it, and I became plant-based. 
Um, and I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of interesting. And, but I, I was kind of moving in that direction anyway. And my reasons were two. One was, was weight, always an issue for me. And the other was I have um, autoimmune issues. And I thought, I don't want to take a lot of medicine. I'm not really good. I don't run all those commercials. Listen to that little thing that they run under. <laughs> this could result in death or, or bubonic plague you know, or Ebola. And oh, by the way, you know, you'll really, yeah, you'll be just fine. I don't want any of that stuff. So I'm kind of like not real good with that. So I thought I'll give it the best. I will give my health the best shot that I can give it. And so I started a plant-based diet. And here I go. This is September. And of course, what comes up quickly after September is Thanksgiving. And my family, I, I got a Creole family there, and they throw down, I know, because I do it too. And I had, and this is a blessing of Overeaters Anonymous, by the way, of recovery. I had choices. And the doctor had, had actually said, that, uh, that whose plan I follow, he said, if you want to have your family's holiday food, have it. And then when you're done, the next day, don't. And I went, I have a choice. So we motorcade all the way up to the Bay Area, and the family's going to gather, and it is heavenly. And I thought, I have a choice. But I'm kind of running a test right now. I'm perfectly fine to just eat my own food. And I'm perfectly fine to experience food neutrality. Food neutrality to me means I stayed out of everybody else's food. I had plenty. Believe me, I had plenty. And they did too. And the interesting part was my daughters, they know me well. Nobody pushed. Mom, you have to. No, I don't. If I decide to, I will. Choice. And if I don't, I won't. I had a marvelous weekend. We did what we always do. We laughed out loud and told the old stories and made up some new ones and just had a great time. I ate my foods. I went home and I was, it was very easy for me. It's easy for me because the complicated rain did not kick in to make it difficult for me. The next holiday came along and I did the same thing. And again, and you know it's easy. Always the same rule. Mom can do whatever she wants to do. Nobody questions. And I have food neutrality. I stay out of their food. It looks wonderful. Smells wonderful. I've eaten it. It is wonderful. And yet for now, for right now, I don't think it's necessarily good for me. And that's the gift. Um, Quite a while ago, I connected with someone I'd worked with a long time. And when she left the stage, she came back, we, we, we got together, we met at a restaurant, she brought a friend, and she kept saying, I just remember you being a lot taller. You were a lot taller, Lonnie. And finally I said to her, no, sweetie, I was a lot wider. Okay? I, was a much, I was much wider. And so, is that five? Thank you. And, and, and so uh, I, and that gave me the opportunity because the friend could have occupied a seat with us at any time at any meeting. And I said, no, I went to Overeaters Anonymous because I'm a compulsive overeater. We were at a restaurant and the friend said, oh, so you went to Overeaters Anonymous and they taught you how to eat. And I said, no, I went to Overeaters Anonymous and they taught me how to stop. Already knew how to eat. (laughs) But I had never tried anything that taught me how to stop. Or if there was a stop anywhere in my time, short dietary time, if there was a stop, the head continued as if it was the bullet train. The head could only think about what am I going to get when I get off of this? What am I going to get when? And for the first time ever in my life, 
when I came to Overeaters Anonymous started to listen and work the steps and take direction from a sponsor and do things I didn't want to do like service and all that stuff that, that we learned I had never experienced a calm brain about my food or at the end of a meal the meal ended it might have been a big meal but it ended there was an end to it and at the end of the day I could say out loud thank you for closing the kitchen on my own I'm not capable of closing the kitchen I live alone today it's a wonderful wonderful different atmosphere than anything I've ever experienced I was 72 years old before I lived alone by myself and so I move in and I've got my space and I'm I'm alone well I used to fantasize a long time ago that living alone meant I could bring anything in here there's nobody I could sit here in my jammies all day long and I could eat whatever I want to eat and you know something that is not how I live my life I have breakfast which was sparse just let me say this morning but I will make up for it later um, I have a lunch a wonderful abstinent uh, I'm going to say 98% mostly measured meal because I refuse to measure things like onions and arugula just not going to do it I don't care what you guys say I'm not going to do that part uh, and dinner I will have a nice abstinent healthy good dinner for myself there's no sweets I get a piece of fruit sometimes at night if I, have, if I eat at a restaurant and I don't get the piece of fruit the brain hey you didn't get the piece of fruit hey yours but the kitchen is closed the fruit will still be there I will not buy a fruit starvation between dinner and breakfast not going to happen won't happen has never happened you know but I live alone and I like to, to say now and I wrote about this recently I feel like I have character now when I came here I was a character and I can still be a character occasionally but when I came you know I, I have character and that means to me that in private in the privacy of my home my special little dishes I got lots of cutesy little things I eat my meals as if I were among you eating my meals or among my family or among co-workers or anybody else I, I have I treat myself or I conduct myself the same way it's a gift from a power greater than myself on my own not gonna happen on my own I'm a sneak and I will sneak it in I'll, I'm a thief I'll, I'll steal it if I can you know I'm a cheat I'll tell you one thing and eat something else you know I had a banana that weighed 3.6 ounces when actually what I had was a bowl of banana pudding I'm a cheat okay. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I don't I no longer live that life and that is a gift and so every single morning when I wake up I accept and I even I receive it I make a motion I receive that I receive it I accept the gift and my job today is not don't worry about the gift I don't struggle trying to get it because it's already been given to me I got it first thing this morning I don't worry about that part and my only job is don't trash it honor it cherish it it's precious I've lived a life without it and I know what that means um, a long time ago I used to hear in OA people would say Overeaters Anonymous opened up gates of heaven and let me in and I also heard Overeaters Anonymous opened up the gates of hell and let me out I've been I have no desire to go back I am thrilled to be here this morning thank you so much John for inviting me thank you for letting me share <laughs> This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are, 
are my own and not those of all readers anonymous as a whole. When asking question, you need questions, you need not identify yourself. We're being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, being recorded, please restate the question. Okay, question 935, five-minute warning. Let's go. Hi, can you tell us how you sponsor people in Hmm. <coughs> i like to start out with... Please repeat the question. Oh, repeat the question. I think the question was, how do I sponsor people in OA? And I'd like to begin with, let's, um, let's understand some ground rules, because I'm not going to be your mother, your sister, your shrink, you know, or your confessor, or, well, I might be that later, but or any of those things. Number two, I'm not going to take anything away from you. Whatever your food is, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I'm going to ask you for one thing and one thing only, and that is... Um, uh, that's a deal breaker tell me the truth I used to hear find somebody who has what you what you want and, and, and you ask them to be your sponsor and later I heard ask, find somebody who you're willing to tell the truth to tell me the truth if you are eating Los Angeles in seven adjacent communities be honest about it I'm not going to take anything away from you that's not my job my job is to, is, is to help you work the steps as, as I understand them, uh, my job is to be some support, to guide and direct. I will do with you what I was taught to do. And, and I grew up in here with an elbow in my ribcage making me do coffee and all kinds of nasty service I didn't want to do. <laughs> yes. So, but I will not take any food away. I just expect honesty. Because eventually it gets taken care of. And that my job is to help you Find a power greater than yourself as work, through working the 12 steps of the program, not to tell you how to live your life. Okay, I hope I answered that question. Go. Hi. Um, uh, what would you say to someone who is new or, or feels like they're new? O'Brien, both of Okay. Well, what would I say to someone who is new or feels like they're new? I try to warmly welcome. I try to warmly welcome everyone. Our Thursday night meeting, which is my home meeting, we, we are a raucous group. And we warmly welcome everybody. Be you 100-pounder, be you, you know, anorexic, bulimic, whatever is your disorder. I try to warmly welcome. Please take that seat. Come back and claim that seat next week. You want a, want a meeting? I've often guided people to this meeting, to Serenity Sunday. You know, go and listen and, um, and come back. Please return. Secret of Overeaters Anonymous. All right? Don't leave and don't die. <laughs> yeah. I very rarely ask questions, but I have you touched something. The way you described that media events of the eighties, the hundred pound thing, when you think about all the people that were there, most of whom are gone, yes, one way or the other, yes. what feelings come up for you, and more importantly, what do you do to deal with those people? Okay, that hundred pounder meeting that I referenced back in the eighties at the Federal Building, huge, huge meeting. Many of the people there are not there any longer. Some of them due to death from the disease of compulsive overeating. And I knew and loved them well. When I think of them, uh, sometimes I think of them and laugh because you know what you get when you hang around overeaters and overeaters for a long time? You get a lot of stories. You meet a lot of people. You get a lot of stories. And we could yuck it up for the rest of the day and, and just tell stories. It also breaks my heart that they helped me they were there for me. One of my best friends was a guy, and he was two of me easily, okay? And, and they helped me, and they're gone, and the disease took them out. 
uh, in the last year and a half uh, I've seen dear dear friends my best friend my first sponsor my best friend died in 2017 broke my heart she was my first sponsor she knew everything and, then, and that morphed into my best friend and I needed a sponsor sponsor I have a different sponsor today I mourn people and and I um I can't say anything beyond um, embracing people and not just, you know, uh, I'm not a dump and run. I'm not going to come in and take my chair and right before the ending prayer I'm going to go out the door so I don't have to encounter you. No, I'm going to hang around and we're going to bump elbows and maybe get a couple of hugs and, and, and smile and see each other again. Um, but the people who, who don't, don't get it, it, it hurts me to see that. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what I can do other than to try and attend meetings, to try and give service, to do my part to welcome. Um, and there's a joy in recovery. You know, and, 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 and I'm kind of, I'm not a snarky girl so much anymore, though I can still be that too. But I, I like to share that joy. So I don't know what else to Thank you so much for your share. Could you uh, talk a little bit more about your relationship with your higher power? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a very close relationship with my higher power. Number one, I am not my higher power. <laughs> I already know how to do that job. Described it to you earlier. Um, um, my higher power does for me absolutely what I cannot do for myself. And sometimes what I can, but my higher power wants me to do my work doesn't want me to do my higher powers work my job is to show up here work the steps do what, what has worked for others out of the big book out of the OA's 12 steps and 12 traditions I love the new book I love the last one but I really love the new one um, but it's my higher powers job to guide me and it's my job to ask you know ask and my higher power by the way thinks I'm kind of funny and sometimes thumps me in the head and says wake up Lonnie you know, what do you do? Oh, what am I doing? Um, maybe you need to talk this over with your sponsor. Maybe I need to talk this over with my sponsor. I get, I get those kinds of things. I have, had, I have been spoken to by a wee small voice. It means I have to be quiet to hear the wee small voice. And I've also been spoken to loudly. And I, it's, it's almost a, a knee-jerk reaction. And um, I guess I, I'll wrap that question up by just saying I have faith and I believe. I've seen both work. Just like I have faith that if I get out there, get in my car and drive on my side of the street, the car is going the other direction, will stay on their side of the street. Okay? I, I don't worry about that. Um, but I have faith it has worked for me so far. I have no reason to change that. Yes, I can uh, accept, decide to, to try a different food plan. That is not my abstinence, by the way. That's my food plan. My abstinence is I abstain from compulsive overeating, sugar, behavior, those are the things I refrain from. And if I have beans in my diet or don't have beans in my diet or I have cheese in my... That's not my abstinence. Sugar is moved. So, my abstinence is I refrain from. So, I hope I answered, I answered your question. Another question. Thank you. Can you talk about how your relationship with your family changed? Oh, that's painful. How has my relationship with my family changed? I have three daughters. <coughs> I love them. I'm not in contact with my youngest one. That is a story not necessarily I'm going to put on tape, and that's a longer tale. Um, I turn that over to the care of my higher power all the time. The rest of my family, I have a great relationship with my, with my daughters. We're the only people out of all of our big family group. We vacation together. We enjoy each other. We have a lot of fun. 
I have to invite them sometimes out of my business and I have to get out of their business. I um, had lunch recently with my sister-in-law and she said, you know, your daughters and everybody else too, they refer to you as the little mommy sunshine, the LMS. It's, it's, it is. The LMS is here. Um, the little mommy sunshine. And she said, and you are that. And my girls don't see me that way. And I don't know why. We've known each other since we were 17. And I thought, I'll be darned. Um, I am that. And I am that to not only my, my girls, but their friends. I have a call from one of their friends. I'm having a difficult time. You think you could talk to me this afternoon? Yeah, I can talk to you this afternoon. This is, this is an outside person. This is not one of my, I get this all the time. This is a residual of the gift of abstaining and staying in Overeaters Anonymous is that I get to grow in a healthy way and I don't stir up the pot and make mess and if I see mess coming out I, I have one job that's mess and I will back out of it I'll say it one time ah oh, that's kind of messy but I'll back out let grown people do what grown people are going to do get out of the way eventually it all kind of works out but I, I my relationship with my family is actually very good my husband passed away and so like I said I now live alone the first time, 72 years old, the first time in my life I live alone, and it's, it's, it's actually just fine. You know? Any others? Take care. Go. Can you talk about um, your relationship with the scale? Oh, there's my favorite relationship. Hello, scale. Right, I'm going to see if I can wrap this, this one up really quick. So recently, I uh, went, went, went to Kaiser Kaiser and had physical and I got a little knee. Oh, let's check this out. Well, I'm going to send you to get an x-ray body. So I get the x-ray. They send me over to a surgeon. Surgeon throws the x-ray up on the screen and says, hmm, this is serious. You know, you never want to have anybody look at anything and tell you this is serious medically. What does that mean? Well, it means that you need knee replacement. Okay, I probably worn the thing out. And he says, yeah. I said, when? Right now. Okay. Uh, he says, look at this. You have bone on bone. Really, that's probably why I live sometimes and other things happen. Mm-hmm. Like the women's march. I'm walking with a cane. That's a long walk. And he says, we need to do that surgery. However, however, I need you to give me 25 pounds. Would Tuesday be all right? You know, it sits right here, darling. Come and get it anytime you want it. Um, and he says, I need you to lose weight because one, it will be, make the surgery much easier. It will make the recovery much easier. And I, I left there and I did. I went to, this was a Thursday. I went to my meeting and I told the truth. And I called my sponsor the next morning. We had a long talk about that. And she says, how are you going to navigate that? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to kind of work my way and figure that out. Okay? So far, I've not given up some, but I've given up the requisite 25 pounds. And so I have to, you know, I have to take care of that. What the hell? Well, next thing I'm going to get a letter from Kaiser. Hello, your surgeon has recommended that you join the health management and it's 16 weeks of classes and blah, blah. He threw me under the bus. And I, took, I showed up. I showed up. Feeling just a little superior, I might add. But I showed up because, remember, I'm a abstaining longtime member of Readers Anonymous. I'm right now holding off 130 pounds and have for a long, long... I got creds. Alright? But, had to talk with my sponsor, and I said, here's going to be my job. I'm going to go, and I'll just look for one nugget. Each meeting, I had to go for 16 weeks. I actually ended up there 21 weeks. Kaiser does a start-restart thing. Anyway, I'll just, if I can walk away with one nugget... I don't have to be the, the, the brainiac in the room. And no matter what, we're all there for the same purpose, though we got there about different reasons. 
And I went, and guess what? I graduated. I have a certificate of graduation. They spelled out my name right. I graduated from the program. They gave nutritional information, not everything I agreed with. They, had, they teach you how to read labels. I already knew that. But I did get a nugget, you know, and they talked a lot about portion control. And it's very, very dietary and nutrition sponsored. But I graduated. I've been in this program for almost 33 years. I haven't graduated. Nobody gave me a certificate. When John called, he didn't say, hey, I got your certificate waiting for you if you can make it there Saturday morning. You know? So that's, that, I, I hope I, I answered your question with that and it looks like my time is up. Oh, I'll have five more? Oh, there's five more. Oh, okay. Terrell. Oh, Terrell. So that you don't want to that Why do you do service? Oh. I sometimes still, okay, Terrell asked, uh, I talked about getting the nudge and the ribs to give service, and why do I still give service? I didn't want to give service. I didn't come, remember, I came here, you know, in, under different circumstances. I didn't come here to give service. I didn't come here to shut big containers with coffee paraphernalia and hide it in my trunk of a car and drag it around forever. I did not come here to chair a clothing exchange where I spent six months gathering and sorting and all this gifts from the fellowship with some of which I raised that eyebrow. Uh, I did not come here to do any of those things and my sponsor said to me, this must have been back around 2003 and the only reason I know is we talked about this recently. She is giving service in Palm Springs for the for the Region 2 convention. And she called me and she said, Lonnie, didn't you tell me that you've done clothing exchanges? And I'm yes. She says, well, we need, a, we need a chair to do that. And I said, I don't want to do that. And she said, no, we need you to do this. And this is how this is going to work. I said, I'm not going to do that. And she said, this is what will happen. She says, you drive from where you live to Torrance and Park at this big, you know, where the RJ is. And, and I'll drive out. And I said, I'm not doing that. For the next... 10 or 11 months, once a month, we drove out to Palm Springs. I met her and slept all this stuff, had a fabulous, fabulous time, raised a lot of money for the region at the time. It was very successful, had, had just, just, just a great time, worked like dogs, okay? And the whole time, every single trip, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. I get directed by people who grew up giving service. I have been taught to give service. I did not come here because in the heart of my heart, I wanted to come here and give service and serve you. I wanted to eat and I wanted you to tell me how not to gain weight while I did it. But I did not want to do that. And yet, that service has been part of my gift back to the program of Overeaters Anonymous from which I draw mightily. And that service has taught me and I get to teach other people you can do that. You go into the meeting, look around, is there stuff on the floor? You pick that up. I was at just a regular club meeting yesterday and people left napkins on the floor. I was horrified. I picked up the napkins and put them in the trash. And I was taught to do that. Don't walk out and pretend you don't see it. If you see it, you can do that. You know, and yet that was not... And my first sponsor, by the way, oh my God. You know, she made me do all kinds of horrible things. Secretary, <laughs> cart literature. You know, and yet I try to teach these things also to the people that I sponsor. Yes, this is how we give back. You don't break and run. You stay for the whole meeting. Um, you can do this and, and, and it's just part of what does this have to do with the food how come picking the thing up off the floor has to do with maybe everything and maybe nothing maybe while you do that that's just you know I, I got a lot to, to atone for 
and, and, and I have to feel like I create a little good karma. And, and, I, and for some reason, I pick sponsors and people to follow who give service. And therefore, I have to, I, I do what I'm taught by them. Um, I, I'm not reluctant to do it anymore. I get asked all the time where I see things and I'll say, how can I help? I have learned to say, oh, this is going to go on, or we're going to have this out here, or a marathon, or something is happening, how can I help? And if I can't, I can say I cannot do that any longer. Uh, the Region 2 convention was canceled. I was asked if I would once again do the clothing thing, and I said, no, I cannot. One, it's too physically taxing for me. Number two, my friends have sworn to me, if you ever do this again, we're not going to support you. That's a true story. We'll do anything, but we're not going to support you on this one. And it's something that I would be more than willing to mentor and to help teach what I learned and what worked and what didn't. But I can no longer just do that. And I think that is also a gift. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Monique. So you have a lot of spunk and energy. I have that. I noticed, but uh, and what do you do? I have to go somewhere and uh, I'm tired, and I don't have the spunk and energy. Um, I like to do it, but uh, how do you get yourself motivated? I don't know. You just, you just, just come back. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yes, thank you. Okay, I'll wrap up that question. How do I get myself motivated if I don't? I don't know. I'm a morning energy girl. Two o'clock in the afternoon is not a great time for me. Three o'clock is evening. And then it comes back up. I'm a morning energy. I was born morning energy. That was how I baked cakes early in the morning at five o'clock and, you know, could accomplish all that stuff. I do exercise. I spend my time these days in a swimming pool, water aerobics. And sometimes I lead the class in water aerobics and I get points in heaven for putting on the bathing suit. Once you put on the bathing suit, the points in heaven are given. I swear. God says, good girl, Lonnie. And I don't really care how it looks. And I just go get in the water along with everybody else. And sometimes I'll go, you know, Lonnie, you've lost your mind. I probably have. And I do my exercise. I ride an adult tricycle. I have a helmet. I ride all over where I live. And I, and I think... This has got to be the funniest looking thing I've ever seen. Do I really care? No. I really don't. Ego has kind of gone along the way about a lot of things. And I've had people go, Lonnie, you're wearing a helmet. Yeah, I fell off one time too. It was, it was very graceful in a bush. Very graceful. And I just went over and me and the adult tricycle and in front of other people. And they said, are you okay? My bruised and my ego's bruised. Yes, I'm fine. And I got back up and I ride in my tricycle and I got back on and I went my way. I, I just have that. I don't know where it comes from. So I think my time is done. <laughs>